This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Welcome to the CBS Eye on Money show. It is, I know I wrote this down, Mark, but already I forgot what day we were doing. It's, it is Tuesday, December 21st. I know we're pre-recording all the holiday shows. We're not working this week. In fact, Mark and I are doing something very rare, which we have not done. Even when pre-COVID, we didn't do it so much. I'm going to go schlep down to where Mark is. And tomorrow we will be having a little holiday lunch. The Jill on Money show will have a holiday lunch. Where should we go, Mark? What are you in the mood for? You want some uh, dim sum? What do you want to do? If I want dim sum, I'm coming to your in-laws. Why would I go out and pay for that? No, that's a very different style of cooking from where they're from. Dim sum is a Southern China thing. They're not from the South. But they make them, right? Dim sum? No, 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 no. Oh, all right. Well, listen, I'll let you guys pick whatever you want. Whatever you and Theo feel like, I'm going to do. I'm, I'm along for the ride. All right. I'll think about it. Think hard, man. Think hard. Anyway, this is the program that takes the mystery out of your financial life. And uh, we are so delighted because the way that we try to do that is we talk to you. And if you would like to come on the air with us, all you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com, and you can click the contact button. And by the way, there's going to be some very exciting news. So go to jillonmoney.com and bookmark it because... Dun, da, da, da. Mark, I was very happy with the uh, the mock-up of the website. Mark and our team of website designers. Karen's not a designer, though. She's like an engineer, isn't she? Yeah, stuff like user experience stuff. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't. I, Mark and I are like idiots when it comes to this stuff. We fake it, and then we get so far. But anyway, Karen, who is a listener of the program, basically helped us take a look at the website and reconfigure the whole thing. She goes, well, what do you use it for? I said, all I want people to be able to do is ask us a question whenever they're on the website, any part of the website. And then she redid the whole thing and it's going to look fantastic. The unveiling is in January. You were pleased with what you saw? Because that, 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 that day, I thought maybe because it was late in the day, I thought maybe you were probably tired. You were, you seemed a very, a little mellow to me. I'm always mellow when there's a three o'clock meeting yeah, for yeah. any reason. I and Mark, you know that because if you wake up at four o'clock in the morning by three o'clock in the afternoon, life is mellow. And it's, and you know, when you say to you tease me, you're like, how do you watch all this stuff? Because when I crash at like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, after I've taken the dogs out, that is when I do a little binging. And I watch a couple episodes of things that I would not normally do. Meanwhile, poor Jim from Hartford waiting patiently while we talk about all this nonsense. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great. I'm so appreciative of uh, you guys taking my call. This is great. 
well, listen, if we didn't start talking to you, you would hear more and more nonsense that we would. And we believe me when I tell you, Mark and I can fritter away a lot of time talking about nonsense. So, Jim, what brings you to our airwaves today? The background is I spent too much of my working career um, being an excellent saver, I think, but being far too conservative in my investment approach. Mm. And since listening to you guys for the last few years, I've learned so much that I want to pass on to my daughter so that she doesn't end up missing out on opportunities that I missed out over the years. I feel the same way about myself. It's funny you should say that about when you say you're an excellent saver, but not like to, you don't like risk so much. I feel the exact same way about myself. That's funny you say that. Someone just asked me that question, like, you know, what did, what's the best and the worst? And, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, you know what? I just, I'm not actually, I don't like risk. So what is it that caused you to be an excellent saver, but maybe a more, maybe a little bit too conservative of an investor? Well, I think that's just uh, coming from my parents who are, you know, depression area folks, you know, save, save, save. And, um, you know, my wife and I were, were excellent savers. And I, I, I shouldn't even blame it on her. I was far too risk averse and uh, had some very, very conservative investments that, um, you know, for what they were, they did okay. But um, you could have had a lot more money at this point. I, I could have. And uh, I don't want uh, my children and particularly my daughter, who's, um, you know, a teacher, which they have limited opportunities. Mm. Uh, I want her to take advantage of uh, as much as possible over the next, you know, 25 or 30 years while she's still working. Yeah, it's interesting um, how we do pass along some of our habits to our kids. And so, like you said, you get it from your parents. I was a reaction against my own father, who was a trader, but who went broke three different times in his career. So that definitely informed me. So what is it? What can we do for your daughter? Let's let's talk a little bit about who she is, what she's doing and how we can help her out. Okay, great. Yeah. So she's um, 33 years old and she's been teaching for about 12 years. Her only retirement account option, you know, like most teachers is a 403B uh, and there's no match for that. For for the last several years, you know, when she first got introduced to it, and this is before I had really any experience with 403Bs, she listened to the uh, the person that came to their school and gave her a moderate allocation with equitable and it took us far too long to realize the extent of the fees that are associated with with that particular 403b and, and mm-hmm. with many 403bs mm-hmm. you know about a year ago or a little less than a year ago their school district you know fidelity became one of the 403b providers mm. their, their net benefits uh, plan fidelity's mm-hmm. net benefits she is unable at this point, she needs a few more years, two or three more years before she can roll over her current balance at, at Equitable to Fidelity, which she mm-hmm. plans to do. Good. Uh, but she changed her investment with her current balance to their lowest fee investment fund, which fortunately is the an S&P 500. But their lowest fee is, is 0.6 or just about 0.6, 0.58 as opposed to 0.03 when you're she's in her own, you know, Roth mm. IRA, you know, with Fidelity, you know, so it's, you know, 20 times higher. When you put it that way, it's really startling, I have to be honest. Yeah. How much is she putting into that 403B right now? What's her contribution level? She's contributing 10% of her salary, which is about 7500 a year. She makes 75 grand about? Yeah. 
Yes. Okay. And then what's her contribution into the pension? Don't they have a mandatory pension? Yeah. She's, uh, she contributes you know, 11% is a mandatory contribution rate, which mm-hmm. is just over 8,000 this year. Okay. That's good. How much money is in that equitable 401, 403B right now? The equitable is, uh, I think it's about 50,000. That's great. Is she yeah. married or single? She's single. Okay. And no kids, right? No kids yet. No, not neither at this point. Just to put this another fine point on this, since it sounds like you've done the research, I don't, it sounds like you're an, an engineer, but I don't know what you do. But I'm just totally guessing because you're very you're very specific. It's funny you should say that because uh, I, I was an engineer for half of my career. Anyway, hey Mark, do you know what this is? This I do, and you know how they say racial profiling. I do financial profiling. <laughs> I'm going to be taken away. Um, okay, so the thing that's funny about that, Jim, is that I bet you know what is the mortality and expense fee associated with the equitable. And everyone listening, the reason why I'm talking about this is that what Jim just said was for the S&P 500 fund inside of this equitable contract, which is probably a variable annuity that's subsumed under the 403B umbrella. So it's 0.6% for the index fund, but then there's a fee for the contract itself. And that fee is usually called an M&E, mortality and expense fee or ratio. What is it for the equitable? 1.2. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, So you have to pay that no matter what. This is why so many of these contracts are really stinky because what you do is you start with something like this. You say, okay, there's a fee to be in these plans. It's usually about 1%, whether it's a big company or small company. So it's 401k, 403b. There's usually like a a 1% charge in general. But now this is a 1.2%. So you add that, then you've got these subaccount fees on top of it, which are higher. Now all of a sudden you're paying you know, an extra one or 1.2 or sometimes one and a half percent more than you would have if you just had the mutual fund platform from which to choose. And it sounds like nothing, ah, 1% big deal, except that when you start to make a lot of money and have a lot of money in the account at $50,000 times 1%, like I bet your daughter would like to have that 1% back. Hence the desire to move into fidelity. Okay. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. So now... Tell me what is the actual question, because it sounds like you've identified the problem, which is you're going to get out of the equitable. She's putting money into fidelity. So what else can we do for her? There's really two ultimate questions. Is there a point at which a 403B's plan's fees are too high, and then maybe she should just go into a brokerage account? And given all we've talked about, 
is she on on pace for a good retirement between the mandatory pension, the 403B, and she does max out her individual Roth IRA each year? I mean, just to put this in perspective, she's putting 20 grand a year into retirement on a $75,000 salary. She's kicking ass. Yeah. When you look at it like that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she's kicking ass. Where does she live? Is she rent? No, she owns her own home. What? How is she single? My God, maybe she wants to be single, but my God, this is something else. What's her house worth? Uh, It's about 275 now. Mm-hmm. And What's the uh, outstanding mortgage balance. Uh, One ninety three. She ju- she just refinanced at two point seven eight for twenty years. So she's she's got uh, nineteen years left on that. Do you think she's a lifer as a teacher? Like she's going to hang in there to get the pension, and everything's going to be. I, I think that's, that's the plan now. I, I tell you, these last couple of years have been really tough, and Aww. it makes you when you start looking at uh, you know I got twenty more years to go. That that's a hard hill to climb, but I, I do think so. All right. So when you move to the Fidelity plan, can she now contribute to the Fidelity plan, the 403B right now? Yes. Yes. She's been doing that for the last few months. Is there a Roth option of the 403B? You know, they just announced uh, a month ago that they have a 457 and a Roth option, but those are with Mass Mutual. And oh. I was I was reading the prospectus, and it's a whole nother gobbledygook of fees and everything. So I was like, let's hold off on that. Do you think she lives okay putting this twenty grand of her seventy five away? I mean, is she does she feel comfortable? Does she feel yeah. like she's struggling? She's not struggling. You know, there's not a lot of spare, lot to spare. Uh, mm-hmm. But she, she's she's uh, she's got a good cash flow. Okay, and she's got an emergency reserve fund. I mean, I it, I know teachers don't. Usually they're not like, certainly she is tenure. So I, I presume she's not at huge risk, but you never know. So does she have an emergency reserve? Yeah. She's got about three, maybe four months worth of emergency fund. Okay. And there is no brokerage account so far, right? Yeah. As a matter of fact, there is. She's just 2,500 in, in a non-retirement brokerage. Hmm. You know, Good. she throws a few hundred here and there into it. And then, you know, and then the Roth, which is just straight with Fidelity. And is the taxable account also with Fidelity? Yes. All right, Mark, should Jim's daughter pull back on her 403B and just put money in her taxable? Like what's your what's your theory on this, Mark? Weigh in. So, just to be clear, she's she's now using the Fidelity 403B? Yes. And and just for for difference, that same S&P 500 with Fidelity is now 0.015. <laughs> The, even with Fidelity, there's not a whole lot of choices as opposed to being in a brokerage account. Yeah, and most of the fees are a little are, are higher than than you see in a brokerage account. But at least the big one, like a like an S and P 500, is cheap. So she's got the Roth, and there's no match, so there's really no incentive to use it. Uh, and there's no Roth option, so it's not like she's using it for that. I don't know. I'm kind of leaning towards building up a brokerage account. That's what I'm thinking also. And and we're not usually like this. I mean, we usually like the idea of using a retirement account when it's available. But, you know, she's in a very low tax bracket right now. Does she also live in Connecticut, just out of curiosity? No, she lives in Massachusetts. Okay. So she lives in Massachusetts. The state tax is not so bad there. But she's in the 22% tax bracket. It's not like she's going down to the 12 um, she's got a good deduction. She has her home mortgage interest. She gets her, you know, her taxes. I think that considering she's going to have a pension, I would agree that it might make more sense to 
I don't know. Like, I sort of feel like she couldn't start to fund. I'd like to build up the taxable account. Maybe instead of her putting 10% into the fidelity, is there any advantage mark for her to keep some money going into that, that account? Or should she just forget it and put all of the money into a brokerage account? I'm trying to find a reason to keep using it. I mean, other than, you know, if she's worried about some sort of credit or protection, but I don't think that's the case. So I don't, I don't really see a reason to have to use it. If they were to introduce, and maybe they will in, in the future, a Roth option, would that? Yeah, that would change my mind. Yeah, yeah me too. That's exactly right. But she's doing her own Roth. And how much money is in her Roth right now? 13000 I mean, she's going to build up her Roth. I wouldn't mind her building up that that account, that brokerage account. I agree. There's not a huge reason to go ahead and use it. The fees are going to be lower just to have a brokerage account option, actually. By the way, everyone listening, this is advice for Jim's daughter, not you. Because for most people, first of all, it's very hard to have the discipline to put the money into the brokerage account and not spend it. It does not sound like she's a big spender. The only reason to use the retirement account is that it's done so seamlessly. You know, it just, they take the money out. It's not a big deal. If she feels weird about this, then just tell her to go split it. 5% she can keep putting into the retirement account and put the rest of the money in the taxable account. But I like the idea that the money that is going into the taxable account, she can build it up. It may be something that we would change our minds about if tax law change, but she's in a very low, she just has, doesn't have a big tax liability right now. Right. And she's doing everything she should. I wouldn't mind her having a little liquidity, especially because, you know, I don't know how long she's going to teach, but maybe it's 20 more years. And she'd have 30 years into the system. I'm sure they max out at 30 or 35 years on the pension. Right. Maybe she's going to want to do something else at that time. And she'll want to have a pot of money that has already been taxed. And that's what the taxable account would do. Okay. That makes sense. This all sounds good. You're a very good father. Is there anything about your financial life we should know about? Uh, I do have one quick question. And uh, it's more just validation. You know, I, I retired four years ago and my wife is retiring next year. Most of our savings is is in you know retirement accounts, and I'm planning to do some Roth conversions over the next few years, especially when she retires before we start collecting Social Security to try to reduce the RMDs and yeah. increase the Roth. And I do have the cash available to pay the taxes, and just I know you've talked about it many times before, but that sound like a, a logical approach to it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is your Mark can give you the the pat on the back for that. I was just looking for my bell to ring. Oh, wait. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Then otherwise, I think I'm all set. And I want to thank you guys so much and wish you a happy holiday season. And to you as well. Thank you for joining us, Jim. Okay. Mark, this is a very nice situation. I like that, that, that the dad is calling on behalf of the daughter. Um, of course, Mark will be happy to have anybody have a question about a Roth. It's his favorite topic. Of, it's a, maybe your favorite topic of all time, Mark. I'm waiting here to see what happens with Build Back Better. I just spoke to the um, our White House correspondent, Stephen Portnoy, who said to me, as of this, as we're taping this, he said, uh, well, I don't know. He did say that there could potentially be a deal before December 28th, but I don't know. It's all in Joe Manchin's hands. I can't believe that the fate of this legislation, this trillions of dollars, is in the is in one person's hands. 
I think he really likes being in this power position. I think he's milking it. Don't you? Oh, I'm sure he loves it. Yeah. He like, everything's, I mean, everything's in his hands. Yeah. Who wouldn't love that? I don't know. I, I feel awful about that. That would make me anxious. All right. If you like Jim or Jim's daughter need a little bit of handholding, coaching, uh, mentoring, you want your, um, your, your siblings, Mark and Jill to weigh in on your situation, give us a shout. Go to jillonmoney.com and click the contact button. While you're there, you can subscribe to our other podcast, our sister broadcast. It's called Jill on Money. If you just go to jillonmoney.com, everything is there, all the content. By this time, you will be able to see our books of the year. I put mine up there. Mark, you'll have to think that for our next, right before Christmas show, we should do our favorite interviews of the year. We should do that when we do our next Eye on Money show, which will be in just two days because we drop twice a week. So follow us wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Mark Talercio, the co-host and executive producer, is simply the best. We are distributed by Viacom CBS. Please put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Curiosity, compassion, and community, that is what we are built on. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you on Thursday. If you like Money Watch, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The Hargan women seem to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.